Welcome to the Less Doing Podcast, where you will learn how to start living more by doing less. Let me help you optimize, automate, and outsource your entire life so you can focus on doing the things you love. Now here's your host, Ari Mizell. Hey everyone, it's Ari. So the episode you're about to hear now was recorded live and raw, it is unedited, at our recent Less Doing Los Angeles event. The event included about 50 amazing entrepreneurs, many of whom are in the Less Doing Leaders coaching program. We had world-class speakers, and the theme of the event was perfect your process. So we had experts across several different genres, and every talk was given as a fireside chat style conversation. So again, they're unedited. They're, these episodes are explicit. We are an explicit podcast, but these were uh, a little more explicit in some cases than others, so fair warning. And if you want to find out more about what we do at a Less Doing Live event, after you listen to this episode, go to lessdoing.com and click on our Live Events button. Now enjoy the episode. The more I've learned about marketing, uh, it's such an expansive, never-ending uh, world. And like David Ogilvie says, if you're going to get into the field of advertising, make sure you hire people that thrive on uh, chaos because the advertising field breeds anxiety. So there's so the level of creativity and complexity is never-ending, but you got to make it. You got to take the simplicity and. Um, make it simple because the people that will make the most money are the ones that can bring uh, simplicity to the complexity of other people's lives. And that's kind of what you're doing in this arena. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yes. Uh, and one of the things that you always talk about that you try to do is create an elf business, right? The easy, lucrative, and fun. Mm-hmm. So is there ever, because I've heard you say that, I've heard you talk about that for years now, but has there ever been like a true sort of framework around that or a process for identifying a business that will be an elf business or making a business that's not and turning it into one. Yeah, uh, well, so for people that, how many of you have no idea really what I do or who I am or any of that stuff? Okay, <laughs> Rick, it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I sort of stumbled into uh, elf. Uh, let, me, let me kind of go back, because uh, the real quick Reader's Digest version is of, of, of business is I started out as a uh, carpet cleaner and so I was in, in 1989 early 1990 uh, I started a carpet cleaning business and I struggled for about two years uh, go went about $30,000 in debt trying to figure out how to make a business work but I had this desire to run my own company uh, I was in an accidental industry that I just you know a lot of people how many of you do what you do today because it was just like an accident? You never had any aspirations of falling, you just kind of got a job or went into something and you found yourself there. So my entire life is, uh, is an accident in terms of, of, of business, uh, but I've always paid attention to the strategic byproducts, which is a term that Dan Sullivan uses, that talking, Dan Sullivan's a founder of Strategic Coach, he's, he's one of my best friends. And basically, I learned marketing because I needed to survive. Uh, I was broke. And the type of stuff that I was reading and studying, which is mostly about brand building, name recognition, a lot of the same horseshit that's sold to small business owners today, which is build your brand, which is mostly nonsense. Um, 
and I'll, I'll create a context to that because I'm not opposed to building a great brand and I'm not opposed to having a good reputation. It's just what I mean by brand is just, uh, putting your name out there and building something around the ego and image is, uh, unless you're a huge company with a large uh, you know, advertising budget like Apple or Virgin or you know, Coca-Cola, uh, it's not very useful uh, for small business owners that just need to you know, get checks. The number one job of an entrepreneur early on is to go get money. And you do that by focusing not on you, but focusing on the client. And so I'm reading all this stuff about name recognition and get your brand out there and that sort of stuff. And, it, and you know, that would be, this is before the internet. So uh, I learned direct response marketing, which is very heavy on uh, not getting your name out there, uh, but getting your name out there and getting a response back. So I had to learn how to, uh, put together words and put together offers and differentiate myself between other people. And when it comes to automation, I am so distractible and dysfunctional that had I not created marketing systems and automated those things using sales letters and free recorded messages and using marketing that works, uh, I never would have you know, built the business. And so I, I turned this small carpet cleaning company around using education-based marketing using 24-hour free recorded messages, using consumer awareness guides, using uh, you know, lead generation. And it actually worked. And then I started you know, teaching other carpet cleaners how to do this because everything that I was learning how to do marketing from was studying people that did direct mail. And when you have to make money from people that never uh, get an opportunity, in some cases, ever even talk to you, uh, or even see you in person. They're literally responding to words on paper that has been mailed uh, in an envelope. And again, I'm, this is before the internet. It actually makes you pretty good about thinking through what's the mindset of the person that you're trying to sell. So when I started automating that, that marketing methodology, uh, you know, I'm reading all of this stuff on how to do marketing, studying people that do direct mail and mail order. I was learning about, well, how to actually sell something you know, uh, in the mail. So I took the techniques that I was using for my carpet cleaning business and I started using, you know, like running an ad, uh, directing people to uh, call and request a free report and they would listen to a 24 hour free recorded message beforehand, which was all automated. That's elf marketing. So you can have an elf business, which is easy, lucrative, and fun, or you can have a half business, which is hard, annoying, lame, and frustrating. And there's ways to make money that's, uh, you know, hard, annoying, lucrative, and frustrating. Uh, but I wanted to figure out, you know, what's the most elf way. So today, I look at people, projects, everything that I do through the elf filter. If someone is, um, you know, not aligned with me, kind of an asshole, I, I don't care if there's money involved in it. I just, uh, you know, so I, I look at everything through elf, and I think it's it's been a good criteria for me. Part of it is how do I feel about it? You know, Dan Sullivan has this great thing where he talks about there's five ways that you get paid um, in business or in life. Uh, the first is you get rewarded, so people give you money. That's the first way. The second way you get paid in business is uh, people um, appreciate you. Uh, third is they utilize you. Fourth, they refer you. And fifth, does it enhance you? And I used to read all of these books early on in my, in my business about how much is your time worth per hour. Uh, you know, and I would, I would always find myself spending time with people and on things that didn't make the most money. And I used to just beat myself up like, man, I'm really undisciplined, which in many areas I am. And, you know, I don't know what's wrong with me. Why, why am I spending time on this? Because clearly if I spent time over here, I would make more money. 
but what I learned once Dan shared this model with me, which is called an opportunity filter, the number one criteria for me is, uh, and, and I like money, I'm a capitalist. I mean, you know, money's important when it comes to running a business. Uh, however, it's, it, to me, it can't just be money. So the first thing is, does it enhance me first? Do people utilize me second? The reason I do Genius Network, uh, the reason I have high level groups is I like selling things to people that have the money, the ability, uh, have put skin in the game that, you know, the, the people that uh, pay me the least amount of money or pay me nothing are also the ones that have the highest, you know, non-usage rate. So I like players uh, that have built a company that are already doing stuff uh, because they utilize it. So second is utilize, third is appreciate. I like people that appreciate me. Fourth, uh, do they refer me? And fifth, does it pay me? So money always has to be there, but it's the, it's the fifth criteria. And if all you're getting is uh, money for something and you're not getting you know, enhancement uh, as a person, as developing you, appreciation, utilization, referrals, then it's, it's, it's prostitution. Um, you know, I always tell this story because we have it on video, but Paul Abdul uh, joined my um, group in, I think it was 2010. Uh, she actually lives right real close to here. But anyway, um, she was at the first meeting she came to and she was talking about how, you know, uh, the entertainment industry in Hollywood and, uh, you know, American Idol and Simon and lawyers and agents and how it's such a pain in the ass. And she was going on this whole rant about like what a pain in the ass the entertainment business is, but there's a lot of money in it. And I said to her, and it was, you know, it was kind of shocking because there's a whole group of people. And I said, you know, Paula, the, big, the biggest problem with, with prostitution is when you got to suck the fat man's dick. And she like <laughs> opens her mouth, like, and everyone in the room is like, what the fuck, you just said that. And she holds up her finger. She goes, yeah, you're absolutely right. That's how it's actually like in this town, meaning this town. Uh, got that already, just remember that. So, uh, but, uh, you know, the point is a lot of people are engaged in, uh, in prostitution and they don't know it. And so if you're doing something simply just for money um, and you're okay with that, you know, great. Uh, but I like looking at things, uh, money that's elf money, because not all money is, is created equal. And, you know, the thing with money is people say money can't buy happiness, which, of course, is stupid because I buy happiness all the time with money. There's all kinds of, I like nice meals, I like hotels, I like first class, I, you know, and so, uh, you know, money uh, won't solve a lot of things. I mean, it's, you can't, it's like Jim Rohn says, you can't hire someone to do your push-ups for you, and, and it's it ultimately, uh, you know, money can make you miserable, depending on how you spend it, uh, but, uh, you know, the pursuit of elf money is the best way to enhance your life because with experiences uh, that you can do. And so, yeah, so, so ELF to me is, uh, it's not just a, a clever thing. I mean, I have a whole book, you know, which doesn't come out till uh, next year. This is uh, the Average Joe's Marketing book. The entire book is about... I'm sorry, is that the infamous book? This is it. Finally here? Oh, I wrote it a year and a half ago, but the reason we've not uh, released it is I'm working with a very large organization to see if we can get a million copies distributed to uh, a million. Of, there's 28 million small business owners, and it's uh, and, I, and I don't know if I'll pull it off, but Hay House is actually going to publish it in 2019 no matter what. Uh, and I may, if that deal goes through this year, this will get distributed. I mean, I've given it to all my Genius Network members, and 
handful of people. It's a great book. I mean, it's a really great book. Uh, however, yeah, the reason I haven't, yeah, it's so funny. I've got literally, uh, you know, so many people that have like, will you please, can I buy the book? And, I'm, you know, there's a reason behind it. But I'm trying to put together one of the biggest nonfiction business book deals of all time. And so, but it's all about Elf. And it's all for small business owners. It's, it's all principle-based. And it's all, you know, no matter what. There's three things you need in order to sell something. You need a product or service, what you sell. You need a sales pitch or marketing mes- message. You need a delivery system. How do you tell people about it? So back before the internet, I would, most people would focus on, here's what I sell. I'm a carpet cleaner. I'm a whatever. And how do we tell people? Yellow pages, direct mail, um, you know, advertising, TV, radio, billboards. You know, today it's, you know, social media, websites, email campaign, live cast, launches. In the future, it's going to be, you know, uh, holograms. It's going to be uh, AR, uh, VR, uh, you know, all kinds of things that we don't even know exist. But the marketing messages that, you know, Steve Jobs said in 1997 at the Worldwide Developers Conferences, we focus first on the psychology the user experience, then we focus on the technology. And I think the same thing today, like marketing is really just applied psychology. It's what you say, who you say it to, and everything in between, um, you know, there's a lot to it. Uh, But anything that you can automate, you know, marketing in and of itself is selling in advance. So you could be the best salesperson uh, but you're limited by the clock. You can only talk to so many people in a given day, but with the right sales letter, the right video, the right podcast, uh, the right marketing message, you can talk to thousands, tens of thousands, millions of people. Uh, and so the, the way that I think about how to replicate yourself is get, you know, Dean Jackson, since Taki brought up Dean, uh, you know, Dean Jackson, who's my partner in the I Love Marketing podcast, I've known Dean for 20 years, uh, he, he invented the squeeze page back in 1997, actually, where you enter your name and, you know, go to the next page. And now that's been turned into a million, mil, uh, literally millions of different versions of, uh, you know, opt-in mechanisms online. Uh, and he has this great line, which is worth writing down because every one of you here uh, would be well served to figure this out. But he says a, um, a compelling offer is 10 times more powerful than a convincing argument. A compelling offer is 10 times more powerful than a convincing argument. And if you don't have a compelling offer, then you're going to spend your time trying to convince people to do business with you. The reason Trump uh, won, me and Dean actually did a podcast episode on this about a year uh, before he even won as president uh, about why he would win the uh, Republican nomination uh, because uh, Trump is compelling. Every other politician is trying to convince and that's why he's on everything, negatively or positively, mostly negatively, in terms of the media, because you know the media is you know predominantly liberal, and uh, you know here we are in California, you know vast majority of this this state hates Trump, and uh, Trump is very compelling. You cannot not pay attention to him at times in the same way that you know compelling, like Dan Kennedy would talk about a car accident. You know, you drive by a car accident and everyone's slowing down and you're talking about these idiots that are all slowing down and as soon as you get close enough, you become one of those idiots, you slow down and you put your head out the window because you you cannot not pay attention to a car accident because it's compelling. And so whatever you can do to, now if you can get that right, that in and of itself 
eliminates a lot of steps. So if you think about automation, you know, what is selling? Selling, you know, what is marketing? You know, I think of, there's many different ways to define it, uh, but it's, you know, to me, it's the quickest path to the sale. So you want to eliminate unnecessary steps, but you don't want to take out critical steps that are needed in order to, 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 to make, you know, to make the sale. And so, you know, selling is what you do when you're on the phone or face to face with somebody. Marketing is what you do to get them on the phone or face to face with you properly positioned. So by the time uh, you are talking to them or they're talking to one of your team members or they're visiting you, however they enter your world, they're pre-interested, pre-motivated, pre-qualified and predisposed to give you money. And if you can sift, sort and screen people robotically using systemization and automation, then when it comes to making money, you've eliminated uh, one of the biggest costs of, of business, which is, is client acquisition. And so if you can automate all of that, uh, it makes your life a lot easier. So the way that I did it in carpet cleaning, as an example, and I always use the carpet cleaning examples because people are like, well, you know, what's carpet cleaning have to do with my business? I sell to really high-end clients. So, you know, everyone thinks their clients are different, which is all horseshit. I mean, humans are humans and they all have personal problems and they all eat and poop and breathe and wear clothes and have insecurities and you know aspirations and it just comes in different forms so there are certainly differences but there's many similarities and so the you know the the, the thing to 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 think about is you know if, if whatever it is you're selling if people are buying it then and, and other people that are selling it are doing better than you or having success, then there is actually a way to be successful in your category. And so with carpet cleaning, I was really frustrated early on in my career because I thought it was all about price because I would see everyone doing these price advertisings and stuff. So I had to figure out how to successfully market and sell a service nobody wanted to buy. And if you have to learn how to effectively sell something most people don't really want to buy, it actually gets you really good at understanding the psychology of, of marketing. And so most people, you know, some things, like people aren't running around wanting to buy $25,000 coaching programs. People go buy food, people go buy clothes, people go to movies. You know, shit like $25,000 groups, that shit has to be sold, right? You know, this is like people are not, if you're a salesperson, people are going their whole life hoping that they don't run into you. You know, they, they, no one wants to, you know, they want to meet you. No one wants to, you know, uh, buy stuff um, unless you position it in a way to where it doesn't even appear like they're buying anything. Because the truth is, people love to be sold. They hate to be pressured. And uh, that's why infomercials work, right? Um, well, I, I'm, I, well you, I'm addicted to infomercials. So. Are you? What, what's the last thing you bought on an infomercial, though? The uh, expandable hose, the oh, pocket hose. Right. Um, it's like the 17th one because they break after like 20 minutes, but they're great. <laughs> Wait, let me. So you bought 17 of these? <laughs> no, no. We, I mean, we have bought quite a few of them actually because they're amazing. Um, this, have, this could get really weird. We could. I should just direct this whole conversation on screw anything. Totally fine. I just want to hear about these hoses. Uh, ever since I was a kid, honestly, like I've always been really fascinated by infomercials and. I, I can go back to the frugal gourmet. If anyone remembers the him, yeah. and he sold a, he sold a kit for like being like fruit shapes and things. And I got that. I made my mom get me that when I was like twelve. Uh, yeah. So the uh, the the pocket hose was the last oh. thing. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, so infomercials. If you sit and think about infomercials, like Dean Graziosi, uh, who's the real estate guy, he's like literally one of my. He's been in my group for ages, and now me and him um, run a 
group called Genius X, which is a hundred thousand dollar a year group. And so we've got twenty five uh, members that are the Genius X, and Dean has sold a billion and a half dollars of uh, stuff on TV. You know, and it's very rare that an info marketer that sells a lot of coaching and training is ever does over a billion dollars, and he's the best on camera. Um, you know, salesperson that I've ever met. Uh, and one of the things with infomercials, when they came into the scene, you know, people were used to watch TV programs uh, when they had to get up and literally go and turn the dial on a TV. How many, who, who here is over the age of 40? Okay, who's in their 20s that's in the room? Okay, all right, so most people in their 30s here. Yeah, I just turned 50 in February, it's so weird. I still feel like the same immature person I was when I was 18. And that shit never changes, actually, I don't think, for most people. Yeah, whatever. So I've got, done a lot of therapy. I'm still doing it. But, <laughs> but anyway, so uh, people, uh, they, they didn't watch TV programs. They started watching TV. And then they could click away. And the reason that infomercials, uh, they have to be good because you have to hold someone's attention. You have to grab them. And you have to compel them in as many different ways and as many different times because... When an infomercial is running, most people are not scheduled and say, oh, let me start at 7 p.m. and watch an infomercial. They stumble into it, and while they're, they've bumbled their way into it, you know, part of it is with all of the noise that exists in the world, you have to have an offer that's so interruptive that it keeps on interrupting until action is taken. And so it's one of those things to where you're just trying to grasp people's attention. So studying advertising that works, studying infomercials is actually a really great way to reverse engineer how to actually present and pitch your stuff. And you would be well served to use as much hype as possible in what it is you're selling. But the distinction of hype used ethically and unethically is hype used ethically is massive enthusiasm for what you're selling. Hype used unethically is lying, misleading, exaggerating, bullshitting, lying. And the challenge that a lot of people don't trust salespeople and marketers is because there's so much horseshit that is fed to people in every sort of environment. And it's, you know, so a lot of people, you know, just have an anti-marketing sort of mindset, not realizing that everything that they respond to is marketing. You know, it's everything that you say, everything that I say is either designed to either attract someone into my world or repel uh, people. And a lot of the marketing that I do is actually repelling because, you know, I sell the, the lowest price seminar that I sell is a $10,000, you know, event, which I do an annual event, which I'll, you know, do, do this year. Now, you know, I always have, you know, this year I'm interviewing Ray Kurzweil on stage about the latest AI stuff because he's the director of engineering at Google and you know they've literally the personal development industry in the way that we know it coaching business is about to be so completely uh, revamped and so many people are just going to lose their shit because they're not even aware of like why the hell hire a coach if you can hire an AI you know one of the latest things that Google released um, talk to books I mean you can ask a question and it'll read 120,000 books in half a second you know, why read a book if you can ask a question and get the exact answer from 120,000 different books. Now, human interaction and tribes and all of that is important, but at the same time, you know, there's stuff. So I sell, you know, high price sort of events. I don't sell low price sort of events. And in order to do that, I actually have to construct advertising that repels 
uh, certain people because a lot of people that come to Genius Network, they don't pay 25 grand to be in the group. Uh, they pay 25 grand for who's not going to be in the group. You know, because you can go to $1,000 seminars and you can run into a lot of different people. But it's like if you're going to sell something that's 25 times the cost, you got to have something different. And that usually stems around not just the content, but the people that are in the room. So it requires a certain sort of attraction mechanism. And everybody has that sort of thing. I mean, if, if, if people spent more time thinking about how to construct marketing to weed out who they don't want, you'll actually get more of what you do want. And that's a really hard thing to do. And I mean, I have a hard time doing it too, because I'm always like, there's a selling mode. Oh, you can get this. Oh, you can get this. Oh, you can get, yeah. But, you know, a lot of cases you want to strip away stuff versus, uh, you know, to, to, hopefully that makes sense. Does that make sense? So you yeah. never give discounts, coupons, or? No, nope, you know, it's funny, right? This is the first, we, we, we're trying yeah. something right now, which I've never done before. I've had Genius Network for 12 years. And we're going to a, a bigger uh, hotel, and, and it's more so for a lifetime value thing, but we're up till the end of this month, people that are in Genius Network can refer someone into the group uh, for $5,000, not the group, but the annual event, the $10,000 person annual event, till the end of this month for $5,000. And I've never done it before, and uh, we're getting pretty good response. We just sent it out to our Genius Network members and saying you can bring a partner, you can bring a friend. I mean, we want people that are either directly working with them or that are qualified to be in the group. Uh, but for five thousand dollars, that's the first time I've ever done anything like that, and you know that lasts for, till the end of this month. Uh, and we did that to our own uh, pre-existing members, see, because they're the best. I don't even need a website in order to do to do Genius Network. I mean, I have a, you know about 250 members that pay 25 grand a year right now. We've got 25 and $100,000 a year group. My, my goal, you know, five, 10 years now is to have a million dollar group where I have 20 people uh, that pay uh, a million a year and then move that up maybe one day to like 100. So I have a $100 million a year business with uh, 100 clients. That's one of the things I'd like to do. But in order to do that, um, that cannot be built around the guru. I don't like the whole guru stuff. I don't want my group to be known for me. I mean, I have people in my group that are a lot smarter than me. Uh, I want I want my group to be known for the people in the group, not for Joe Polish. And so part of what I'm looking at is creating um, things in business that people would pay for even if they never came to a group, but they would have to come to the group because that's where the bonding is. I mean, all the talks and all of the you know, I do things like 10-minute talks is something I started doing in 2012. And I thought of, okay, if someone's going to pay $25,000 a year, how do we get the money issue out of the way? So part of the criteria is do a 10-minute talk. Not everyone does it, but a lot of people do. We just had, was anyone here? I mean, I'm trying to think of anyone was at the meeting last week because you're in Genius Network. You were there last week. Those are some good 10-minute talks. Yeah, freaking killer. And uh, Jason Flatland, who's not here, he was there last week. But uh, Steve Sims is in the group. Uh, Pear is in, uh, I don't know who else here is in, if anyone, yeah, Rick. You, you I wasn't there last week. Yeah, you went there. Um, but basically, uh, you know, I started thinking, you know, how can we have people, you know, get the money issue out of the way? So I, I came up with this idea. I trademarked it, 10-minute talks. And in 10 minutes, and I have a whole process of how to do a 10-minute talk. Uh, someone has to share a best practice, a strategy, a methodology that's worth at least $250,000 or more to their business. 
and they've got 10 minutes to deliver it. And so if someone truly would deliver on that in 10 minutes, you know, each minute would be worth $25,000. They actually could, could, could do that. And it's really hard to do. I mean, and, and, and the more prepared someone, it's, it's, it's a lot easier to do a one hour talk than a 10 minute talk. Um, but it created all this great content. And I used to have this policy, which I still talk about a little bit, but I, for about the first, uh, you know, eight years of Genius Network, I said, if you don't make at least a 10 times return on your investment, um, $250,000, then I don't want you to renew for the next year because you're clearly not, you know, you're not doing anything with, with the access to the people and the strategies. Uh, and it was designed to play a, a trick on people's heads. And, and I would say, and, and I do want your money. I mean, I want your money, but I want you to get a 10 times return. And then it starts, you know, because the brain has to think about what you presented with the challenge. And so I would get people thinking about $250,000 ideas. And sure enough, I have a shit ton of people that have 10 times in return on financially. But I started having people come to me um, that are like, you know, I make a lot of money. I'm not here because I, uh, you know, per se, money's the number one priority. I'm here because of all the other things. And so I spend less emphasis on it now because I spend so much time talking about my real uh, projects, which are addiction platforms, helping people with addiction and recovery. I mean, all that I'm doing right now with um, the money-making aspects of my business is to, um, you know, have enough money to have a company uh, and build genius networks, because I believe that any problem in the world can be solved with the right genius network. And so what I want to do is change the global conversation about how people view and treat addicts with compassion instead of judgment and to find the best forms of treatment that have efficacy and share those with the world. And I need millions of dollars in order to do the stuff I want to do with addiction. But if I had all the money in the world, I'd put all of it into addiction uh, recovery and treatment because it's the, it's the modern form of uh, human slavery and it, it's what accounts for most of the wars, most of the problems, most of the diseases all stems from addiction, which is a response to pain and trauma. And we, we, live, we live in a very traumatized uh, world, uh, you know, psychologically. Uh, the world's much safer uh, in so many ways in some areas than it ever has been physically, but it's not psychologically safer. And that's why you, you see, you know, opiate overdoses and addictions uh, have nearly doubled in a five-year period. For, you know, it's insane. And so I'm using my marketing skills to, uh, to try to tackle that. But it's hard to make money doing that. And I'm not going to open rehab centers. And I'm not going to sell pharmaceuticals. And because almost everything that is used to monetize people with addiction is bullshit. And it, it doesn't work. And so I have to come up with other mechanisms to make money so I can actually fund um, all my addiction stuff out of that money. I'm even got, get, getting to the point where I'm thinking that everything other than my high-level groups, I'm not sure on this yet, but I, I just started exploring this conversation in the last couple of weeks, is that uh, you know I sell other programs and stuff, but I think I'm gonna take all of the money from anything other than my hand groups and put all of that into addiction platforms. Because then it's gonna be really hard for anyone that tries to compete with me selling anything. Like, oh, we sell a course, yeah, I do too, but all the money's going to this addiction stuff and it's going to be the best shit you, you could ever buy. Uh, but I want the high-end groups because my wealthy friends, you know, I, I do make good money off, uh, off Genius Network and I have equity and, you know, a handful of companies and stuff. So, uh, but the, the thing is that's, that's sort of how 
uh, how I'm trying to tackle it. And that's a complicated thing because it's really, you know, trying to wrap your head around an elf business when so much of my time is spent with people that are dying and people that are traumatized. It's really weird, but you can actually make anything elf if you really, you know, think about it. And so as I'm sitting here listening to the, uh, to the automation, I'm putting all of this through the layer of, you know, my personality, my marketing, what I'm, you know, what I like and, you know, and, and, and you, you know, a couple of things that you've said and, and really, you know, uh, Je Jeff Smart, who's Brad Smart, uh, son, he wrote a book called Who? Because everyone now is talking about don't, you know, <coughs> you can learn what to do. Uh, and, and a lot of people, you know, are trying to learn what to do. I'm, I'm constantly always trying, oh, how do I do this? How do I do that? But if you find the right who, the, the right who will bring the what with them. And so now to be on a pursuit of finding the right who's, that can do stuff in in here's here's like sort of an interesting um observation i had so back in 2009 uh john butcher my friend john butcher he owns a company called lifebook and he's the chairman of precious moments which is a collectible company he's the first uh artist that did our first art piece which a pair has hanging up on the wall there see that black star that painting is called uh, black star that's one of the prints and that's our first uh art piece for artists for addicts, which is something that I created to use art as a force for good. And so we're selling art as a, as a way to uh, fund uh, the, the addiction platform. And John Butcher actually uh, painted that, that, that piece, and, which I should say this too, our, our first uh, documentary on addiction called Black Star, which features that, that painting, the story behind it, uh, it just won the, uh, the Audience Choice Awards at the Illuminate uh, film festival which was in Sedona two, uh, three weeks ago yeah so our first documentary won which is great it's not on Netflix yet we're, we're going to try to get a series on Netflix we're gonna if you want to watch it we're about to put it up where people can watch it on artists for Ad it's artists with an s for addicts with an s artistsforaddicts.com we're going to let people watch it uh, for free for a short period of time and then we'll we, we want to have a Netflix series and stuff so like that. So I have a question, as you are building Artists for Addicts, um, like you, you build Genius Network and you went through a, perfecting a process of building this Who Genius Network in your new endeavor of Artists for Addicts, what are some of the main pivot points you found in finding the process of funding, finding, like just building this platform? What are some of the biggest process pivot points or Who's that you've experienced in this so far? Uh, me, meaning like the the people that have been the most instrumental. The people, how you're finding the people, like the the physical process that you're going through in building this industry disruptor and this industry change, like in this game changer. What process pivots are, are the are like the biggest road turns that you've seen so far? Okay, let me try to answer that. Let me do yeah. before I go because I go on a million tangents. Is it's obvious to anyone that listens to me, the thing I was gonna say about John, so he, and I'll come back to that. So we were in, uh, he, he does these lifeboat trips, and so there was one in, uh, in uh, Vietnam, yeah, because I've been on a couple of them. And so this was in 2009, and so Tim Ferriss, there's, there's like 10 of us, and so Tim Ferriss was on the trip, Garrett Gunderson, uh, Brad Fallon, John Vaselli, um, Matt Mullenweg from WordPress, the founder of uh, WordPress. And at the time, you know, um, Matt, uh, you know, had this company that was valued at $250 million, WordPress. Now it's, you know, it's a, automatic. Yeah. Well, there's automatic, which was the thing. And I said to him, I go, how does a, 
how does a, a, a company that doesn't really make any money, WordPress, uh, be worth $250 million? And he said, well, it's because of what I've been offered for it. And he goes, and a lot of times, if you're trying to sell a company for revenue that doesn't have any revenue, you don't actually want any revenue because then people know what it's worth. You know, and so, and then he came on my Necker, one of my Necker Island trips like a year later. And so I, I'm Richard Branson's largest fundraiser and I used to do all these week long trips to Necker Island and then I turned the trips over to Dominic Silver who now runs it with Maverick Business Adventures. And um, basically, um, Matt was uh, on this trip and so Yannick and a bunch of internet marketers, this is probably around 2010, were sitting around talking about opt-ins. And so Matt leans in and he's like, I hear you guys talking about opt-ins. You know, what's an opt-in? I mean, he literally said that. And everyone looks at him like he's an idiot. And I'm kind of sitting back going, this fucking guy's worth like so much more money than everyone here combined, right? But he didn't know what an opt-in page was even though tons of people use WordPress for opt-ins. But it just showed the level that he's operating on. He's, you know, Mark Zuckerberg isn't sitting around trying to figure out how to do Facebook ads. You know, so the, the question is, if you, so a lot of this who thing is a philosophical thing. When it comes to time management, I mean, you've been in my office. You know how dysfunctional. I mean, you've helped me with stuff. Like, I, I'm really good in, in a few areas, and I'm a total idiot in, in others. But, but out of all the stuff that I've learned with high-level people is time management by attitude, where you look at something and, like, I don't need to do any of this shit. And if you're a total perfectionist and you get so caught up in the weeds, you know, and I have a tendency to do that, but part of it, I have to step back and say, you know, what are the things that make all the results? So to answer your question, like what I do, and Jason Fladlin is the one that actually gave me this language, and he, like I assemble unicorns. I go out and find unicorns and I put them together with each other because unicorns together fucking kick ass. Unicorns in isolation surrounded by donkeys hate life. And so really high-level entrepreneurs, high-level entrepreneurs need to find other high-level people. See, like I try to build a tribe of tribal leaders and I do it by never asking anyone to do anything for me without creating value for them first. And so I have really followed the philosophy, be nice to the people you meet on the way up, they're the same people you meet on the way down. I can tell people, like if someone wants to know how I meet people, go and listen to my podcast that I did, episode 29, and I love marketing probably within the first year, 2010, and it was uh, the Magic Rapport Formula. If you just type in Joe Polish Magic Rapport Formula online, you can read articles. You know, there's an Inc. Magazine article that Ben Hardy wrote about me that came out today, you know. Uh, he's the number one writer in the world on medium.com. And you know, there, we, there's all kinds of stuff about magic or poor, and I can teach people the methodologies. All of the marketing stuff I teach, it's all free. You don't have to buy shit from me. I mean, we lay it out. Dean Jackson's one of the most brilliant marketers in the world. I mean, the first 50 episodes of I Love Marketing, we, we were like, let's not say anything about anything we sell. Let's just give tons of value till people started posting that. Like, I don't understand what you guys are doing here. You're marketers and you're not trying to sell us anything. And I said to Dean, I go, let's not try to pitch anything until people start complaining that we're actually not pitching them on anything. And, uh, and, and, and you can see it if you go look at the original reviews, uh, which is, you know, four to five stars on, on, um, on, on iTunes, that like people are like, I don't get what you guys are doing. Why you're like giving the best information and you're not even trying to sell anything. And that's what I wanted. I wanted it to be so valuable. So 
part of my technique, a lot of people, like my, my group has created more knockoffs than any other coaching group that I'm aware of. I mean, I can't tell you how many people have started $25,000 plus coaching groups since they you know, joined Genius Network. But the thing is, is like, I'm just really good at trying to be valuable and trying to be useful uh, to the point though now that I'm, I'm actually getting introduced to very high level people and, and if there's not an immediate like what the fuck am I going to do with them, I don't want to talk to them. I don't have the time. Uh, not because I don't want to, it's just it's a bandwidth issue now and I'm really coming face to face. But like in terms of, um, you know, the, the, there's something that Taki said in part of his sales process and it's interesting because he is pretty well read. I, I, I don't know him at all, just, uh, um, you know, I've heard of him but we've never been friends or hung out but he mentioned bill brooks and he mentioned some old school that most people has anyone here in the room ever even heard of bill brooks no. yeah like this this two people yeah it's kind of funny though because there's so there, there's there's so much of that stuff so what i want to do to answer your question I, could you specifically ask and i will answer it as best as i humanly know how what is it that you want to know i want to know the biggest change points that you've experienced in building artists for addicts like the pro like your 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 building of from the idea to what it is now to where you want to go the biggest points that have changed to so it so it it is the way it is now the you points know, on the process I, I guess I guess for me is Understanding that most of the people that we admire in the world that are really famous, and most see, there's a you, you take all the people that are famous and die. You know, recently Kate Spade, Anthony Bourdain, all these people that are fight, fighting silent battles, is realizing that we're in such a politically charged culture. I mean, and I know more about the fucked upness of Hollywood because I meet with all of these people all the time. I mean, you know, I'm like. It was all over the news that I was Harvey Weinstein's sober coach, and when they saw us in a fucking restaurant, someone filmed TMZ. that. Yeah, and it went all over TMZ. So I, I mean, I, most of, 95% of the people I work with have been raped, molested, assaulted. I was raped and molested as a kid. Um, and about 5% have assaulted or have hurt other people. And so when I started hanging out with all of these wealthy, famous people, and seeing that how broken many of them are and that their wealth and their fame is actually a attempt to fill a void that cannot be filled that way externally, it really put me in touch with the biggest uh, influential people from sports celebrities, politicians, actors, actresses, musicians, artists, are some of the most tormented humans and having become a millionaire before the age of 30 and having financial success but never having dealt with my own trauma as a child in that you know first being drug addiction when I was you know most people know my story I, you know, I weighed 105 pounds at my worst state when I was 18 years old for freebasing cocaine for you know, three and a half months straight and nearly dying, uh, and then getting sober from drugs, but never dealing with the underlying trauma that led to me doing that in the first place, which then later became sexual addiction later in life, sleeping with a lot of escorts and all kinds of sexual acting out uh, when I was in my, you know, 20s and 30s and mid-40s. It wasn't until the last 
um, you know, few years of my life where I finally felt a release from the angst. I always wanted to help addicts because I'm very in tune with the suffering of addiction, but I never felt like I can be congruent with it because I didn't feel like I had my shit together. And I still never feel like I have my shit together, but I got to the point where you got to play broken sometimes. And you don't, you know, you can't wait around forever. And, but in the process of helping with it, I actually got a lot better. So a lot of the work, and, and many self-help people won't admit this sort of stuff, but almost everyone in personal development is doing their own therapy and they're just selling courses. They're just coaching people because they're all fucked up themselves, and so they want to unfuck others by unfucking themselves. And that's not a bad thing. I don't. I, I say it sort of jokingly, but in reality, I mean, uh, everyone here that's has figured out how to overcome some level of pain, you're probably qualified to help other people overcome that level of pain. Uh, so uh, when I when I started really um, experiencing, you know, for myself, what true freedom from um, obsession feels like and I started consistently doing the rituals you know meditating every day work you know I did I meditated for 20 minutes this morning I did a hot yoga session this morning I'm not perfect but I'm pretty damn congruent I eat pretty clean uh, you know I, I go to 12-step meetings I do a lot of community stuff I do you know there's a lot of stuff that I, that I work on and I've learned what actually works when I started talking about it it just started attracting these people because there's very few people that have a platform like I have that are willing to say the shit publicly that I'm willing to say. And so now I'm great. So, you know, if nothing else, it's just by being freaking open and being honest and attracting that and realizing that the biggest carriers of the messages are the actors and the actresses and the musicians and the artists because, you know, uh, they have the voice, they have the attention. And so, you know, if you want to get a message out, find out who those influencers are and help them first, create value for them first, and then through just simple, like I like reciprocal people. I don't like non-reciprocal people. I mean, I'm trying my best to avoid non-reciprocal people. Uh, that, you know, they ask you, you know, they ask me for favors, but they don't serve up anything, you know, I mean, and, and, I, and I don't treat it as a tip for that. I will help anyone to a point, but after a point, if someone is just extracting, because I believe you know life gives to the giver and takes from the taker. So the more that I've been a giver, the more, like with the addiction platforms, I've probably spent about 400,000 out of my own pocket in the last two years building certain things out. And I'm actually willing to spend millions, uh, even if I don't make any revenue in the beginning or just very little revenue, uh, because ultimately uh, we have not yet found a way to integrate the solutions uh, for addiction to reach the masses. I mean, still the very best way to treat addicts as an example. 12-step uh, groups have done more to help people struggling with addictions than every inpatient, outpatient, self-help group, supplement combined. And if you eradicated 12-step groups today, there's a, there's a web of humans that rely on 12-step communities, not just drugs and alcohol, but all types of 12-step recovery groups uh, to, to make their lives work. And the world would fucking implode if 12-step groups did not exist tomorrow. And most people don't even realize. And I'm a guy who spent 20 years of my life studying um, persuasion. You know, Robert Cialdini, I just had lunch with him last week. You know, he's one of my dear friends who wrote the book Influence. I mean, I, I know most of these guys. And um, 
you know, I've spent my life studying persuasion, and one of the things that I, movements that I admire the most has not built any of it through, through marketing or through advertising. It's been through the, just having something that works and through the voluntary contributions of a bunch of addicts that loosely hold it together. But, but, but addiction treatment, as an example, in the same way this does tie into marketing, and I'll tie that in so it makes sense if I've lost anyone, is um, it only addresses so much. Like in 12-step groups, they don't hardly ever deal anything with trauma work, and they don't like deal with food and nutrition and movement. So there's, you know, if anyone's struggling with addiction, what I've learned, and there's a lot more I, I'm still yet to learn, is you got to have community. Um, you got to, uh, it's biochemical, it's serotonin, it's dopamine, nutrition, exercise, there's trauma work. The issues are in the tissues, breathing, meditation, flow pods, uh, some of the most effective ways to treat trauma, which are uh, illegal in the United States, is uh, plant medicines, ayahuasca, ibogaine, MDMA-guided therapy, psilocybin, um, you know, for PTSD and for trauma. And then the, the, uh, the and a lot of you probably do that shit illegally. Because you, go, <laughs> you go to fucking Burning Man and you think you're on a spiritual trip in the middle of a camp or getting high thinking you're talking to God, but, um, which is fine, and some people do. I mean, but, you know, I, I took LSD at least 75 times before the age of 18, and I thought I was talking to God, but I was just getting really fucking high. <laughs> and, uh, and then the, uh, the, fourth, uh, the fourth thing is the environment. So what is that, you know, Ari can talk about automation. You can hear every sales technique. You want to dramatically improve your ability to automate, uh, run a business, learn marketing, fucking ramp up your physical fitness by 5%. Get better sleep. Deal with your trauma work. I mean, the reason I run around like a chicken with my head cut off is not because I don't have, but fuck, I can call Ari at any time. I, I, I mean, I'm like friends with some of the smartest people on the planet. When I'm not getting my shit together, it's because some area of my personal life is all fucked up that I'm not looking at. So the way that I look at things are, how do I solve one problem that'll solve a hundred others? So uh, if you if you're not sleeping well, you have about twenty or thirty problems in your life that exist because you're not sleeping well. And if you solve that one problem, all this other shit is good. You know, people are like, let's go to like a hundred seminars on how to better focus. Try, you know, try going to fucking five seminars. Try dropping out of some shit. You know, don't, don't read like a book a week and then write a thing about how you figured out how to hack the system. Like master like two books that are really good and don't read the other 48 because fuck, I mean, you're never gonna get through all the information that's being poured on you like an avalanche. And, and I mean, marketing today, it's algorithms. You know, you understand marketing. You know, what are you, pay, what are you reading? What are you listening to? What are you paying attention to? What are, you, what are you clicking on? And they're serving up to your brain what your behavior is showing you that you're interested in. I mean, you know, if you want to be a more effective marketer, just tap into the algorithms. They're already fishing out the exact thing. I mean, it's all fishy. What's the bait? Who are the fish? But I'll tell you, like, you want to get better in all of this stuff? Go to bed early. Don't consume things that numb you. You know, I haven't had a drop of caffeine since uh, September 2016, and I'm really at the point, alcohol was never my addiction. It, it, it certainly helped to lower inhibitions. It was a lot easier to hire a hooker if you've had a few drinks in your, in your, in your system than not. Um, um, but I'll tell you, like, if you, if you literally quit consuming things that numb you, You'll be 10 times more effective with all the shit that Ari's talking about here, but people keep wanting to hear the intellectual shit. 
They don't deal with the underlying trauma that they're dealing with. They have, you know, how many of you have a lot of physical neck pain, knee pain, shoulder pain? 99% of all physical pain is not structural, it's psychological. It's caused by uh, oxygen deprivation in the muscles, tendons, and ligaments brought on by repressed emotions, predominantly anger and rage. And so people are like, let me go to a chiropractor, let me go get acupuncture, let me get a massage because my back hurts. There's something wrong with my back. I had a football injury 10 years ago. It's not the fucking football injury. It's because you're, you've got repressed emotions that you're not dealing with. And that's why you're crouched over a computer and you're not going out in nature and you're not breathing very well because stressed out people don't breathe. And if you learn how to breathe, you'll actually be a lot better at the shit that Ari's teaching you. And so, this, you know, my thing is like, I, I started getting better all of the stuff that I was reading and consuming when I actually learned how to meditate, when I learned how to breathe, when I started making sure I didn't eat a bunch of shitty food, you know, and stuff like that. I'm going on. No, no you're just teeing it up for a bunch of our speakers really well. I think. <laughs> yeah. uh, so can, I, can I add one thing about, about the, uh, at least the, the annual event, and I'm not going to pitch because, you know, you and I have barely even talked um, is that one of the things that really surprised me at the last event, the last annual event, was how much time that was devoted to basically people's issues, like life right. stuff. And and I'm thinking that now I loved it all, and I'm thinking like, yeah, but for the rest of these, the rest of these people, now there was there was over 200 people there. Yeah, we had we had 300 in the ballroom, and uh, we had a, uh, close to 100 in the uh, Genius Lounge. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, so I was thinking, this is this is a big deal that you could actually. And I'm get, I, I don't know what the what it worked out to be, but it seemed to me like it was 25 or 30 percent of that particular year's annual event was devoted to those things. Yeah. And, and there was there was a, uh, a an addiction doctor who, and when I first you know heard that, I felt like. Oh shit! You know what? You know, I mean, I, I can't remember biases and prejudice. I'm a long time false stepper, yeah. and so I'm thinking like this is gonna be bullshit, and it wasn't. He was really good, and I learned something, and we talked afterwards, and I learned something else, and and then there's just a number of people who chatted about stuff on a very very emotional level, mm -hmm. and I thought, what's the rest of this group gonna say? And so I talked to a lot of people. And everybody I talked to, everybody loved it. There wasn't any, and it had a lot of the things to do. It was not the fact that somebody had this problem or that problem, but because a member of their family or their friends or somebody in their work is affecting them. And so it's affecting their lives. And so in a, ultimately, they were affected. So when you start looking at how all these things there, very, very important topic. I don't know what it's gonna be like in you know, future events and all that. But it was uh, it was well directed, and very well received. No, so thank you. Yeah, we took the risk around. to do that, and I don't know if you knew what that was going to be like. I was testing it out. That was the first time I brought addiction stuff into a business conference, and it went over so well. And yeah. the feedback I've gotten. And so this year's mm -hmm. theme is uh, uh, health, wealth, and elf. And my goal is to build a better entrepreneur. And part of it is I, you know, I want to take really driven. Uh, entrepreneurs and help build a better version of them by putting that in. And so my whole thing is sell people what they want and give them what they need. They all want to make more money, build a list, meet all kinds of famous people and all that. And I'll pre present that. I mean, you know, we're going to beam in. We're going to show some really cool shit this year. We're going to have, you know, obviously Ray Kurzweil talking about the craziest like AI shit that's going on right now. 
and uh, he's helping me. I literally, he's giving me access to, to his team at Google, um, which you can't hire. And we're going to do, we're going to build an addiction and recovery AI, and we're going to do a personal development and marketing one. So I think through Genius Network is going to come out the most advanced, uh, you know, stuff on, on, on business, I, I think. Um, we got, we got to wrap. You got to wrap? Yeah, we got to okay. wrap here. So, well, so thank you, Joe. That was great. Right. Thanks for listening to the Less Doing Podcast. At Less Doing, we help entrepreneurs who have opportunity in excess of what their infrastructure can support to set up systems and processes that empower a team to ultimately make themselves more replaceable. That way, they can optimize, automate, and outsource everything in their businesses in order to be more effective. If you want to find out more about Less Doing, the podcast, the blog, the books, and all of the wonderful programs we offer to help you get from where you are to where you know you want to be, go to lessdoing.com slash podcast and check out our OAO blueprint so you can get started today.